engine swaps are certainly nothing new, but behind us we've got Chris Alexander's R32 Nissan GTR with uh, certainly an engine swap that I've never seen and definitely nothing I've seen here at World Time Attack. We're here with Dom from Tony Rigoli Performance to talk a little bit about this car. Welcome to High Performance Academy's Tuned In Field Report podcast series. In these special midweek episodes, we look back through our archives to find the best conversations we've had through years worth of attending the best automotive events across the globe. We've pulled the audio from these tech-filled interviews with some of the industry's most well-known figures and presented it in podcast format for you to enjoy as a quick hit of insider knowledge. Uh, for a start, uh, there's no RB in this car anymore. What's it got? That's a 4G63, like an Evo 9 engine. Okay, that, that on face value would seem to be uh, an unusual choice. I mean, obviously the RB26, RB28, 30, all of the different variations we see uh, make amazing power, and uh, power is really critical here at World Time Attack. So uh, on face value, going to a smaller capacity four-cylinder engine might seem like a, an unusual choice. Why did you do that? Um, we've done it to pull weight out of the front end to make the car corner better. Um, as for the power, like we can make the power out of one of these engines basically the same as a six-cylinder because you, know, you are limited to turbo size for it to be responsive, you know. So, yeah, the RB can make big power with a massive turbo on it, but on the same turbo, you know, this little thing does all right. It, it does all right. We'll, do, we'll talk about the yeah. power shortly. So, uh, you know, basically being that the four-cylinder is obviously so much shorter, it, it's not just the, the mass of the engine that's important, it's the fact that it's not so far out over the front axle line, is that correct? That's correct, yeah. And we can see visually just how far back in the engine bay uh, the, the, the engine is. Now, I believe you also have a rule where you have to retain the factory firewall. Is that the limiting factor for where yeah. you can position the engine? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. Okay, so... When it comes to 4G63s, well, actually it's come back a step. Obviously, when you're looking at going to a four-cylinder engine, uh, there are a lot of options out there, and uh, we continually get pummeled on the internet for not putting a K-Series into our, our own 8.6 race car. So why was the 4G63 the obvious option? A Honda, I couldn't do it to Chris. I couldn't do it to myself. <laughs> but, yeah, no, before, geez, we, yeah, we've, we've done a lot of development you know, over the years, so... That was that, that's why that was our choice of engine. You've stuck to something that you know inside and out, and you know you can produce the power reliably. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's important to understand as well. Yes, there's probably a, a half a dozen other engines that could do what you're doing with this. You don't need to go and relearn everything about a new engine that you're not familiar with, which is so valuable in terms of time and money spent. Yeah, it is. You know, and we we have a lot of parts for this. You know, so it wouldn't make sense to go with a, a different engine again. All right, so the engine, and I'm going to come back and talk a little bit more about it, but it's not just the, the mass of the engine that uh, you've changed in this car in order to get the, the handling or the weight balance uh, a little bit improved over where it was. Uh, what have you got in the way of a, a transmission now, or transaxle specifically? Now it runs the Albans ST6 transaxle. Okay, so for those who aren't aware, tell us what the difference between a transaxle and a conventional transmission is. So... The gearbox in this car used to be in the front, bolted to the back of the engine. Um, now the whole unit's in the back, gearbox, clutch, alternator, starter motor, so, everything's in the back of the car. So essentially you're just running a, a prop shaft that rotates at engine speed through the transmission tunnel and everything else is at the, at the rear or do you still have a clutch and flywheel on the, on the actual engine? No, well the clutch, flywheel, everything's in the rear. So at the front it just has like a coupler just so we can connect the shaft. So basically like an R35 
And what sort of advantage does that give in terms of the weight balance? Do you actually have numbers on that yet, or is it too early to, to really know? Yeah, look, we only just finished the car, so we, we barely had time to put doors and a front end on it. So, um, But yeah, it's the balance will be a lot better. Like Everyone, everyone always wants more weight to the centre of the car, you know, and that's basically what it's done. Yeah, I think there's a, a couple of elements that are important to mention here. And, and the first is you showed me off camera a, a photo of the car essentially as a, as a bare chassis and roll cage. And that was only three weeks ago. So I'll give you a bit of a free kick there for, for maybe not having a thorough understanding of everything that's done. That obviously will come with time. But coming back to the weight and the position of the weight, it's not just the weight that, that's important. It's trying to get that weight more towards the centre of the car. And that will help allow the car to rotate better than if we've got weight right at the extremities of the car, correct? Yes. So when it, this thing had the RB26 in it with the all-wheel drive, you got all that diff and shafts and, and turning into a corner fast, it's always going to push on the front end. Uh, whereas now it'll, it'll be a lot better turning in. You won't have that drag. All right, let's come back to that engine. And uh, when, it, when it comes to producing huge numbers with the 4G63, just like almost every engine that's out there now, there are billet options available. And uh, you haven't gone that route. Do you just feel that it's not necessary at your power level? Yeah, it's not. Um, I mean, we, we, we can run these up to 1,600 horsepower, like in a drag application. So at the power this is running on, you know, this, the, there's, there isn't an issue. And there's a, a different a, a range of different options when it comes to engine combos for the 4G. There's the 4G64. There's 2.1 long rod engines. The, the list goes on. Uh, what, what have you chosen in terms of an engine combination for this? Just It's a 2.2 litre. Like it's our own stroker kit, so our own rod length piston combo but the block is just factory 4G63. Now, why the 2.2 compared to the 2.4? What's your, your reasoning there? Why do you why do you favour that instead of a little bit more capacity? What I've found with the 2.4s is that, that they really hit a brick wall with RPM. Um, yeah they do make a little bit more torque but the 2.2 is a very happy medium when you when you're looking at between a two litre to a 2.4. Okay and in terms of revs what are you revving it to? The limiter now is set at 92, so you hit it a couple of times and we'll probably end up lifting it. It's still making power out there? Yeah. And in terms of power, what are you making and what sort of boost pressure are you using to make that power? At 45 pounds, it makes 1,030 at the hub. It's pretty solid for a, a small capacity engine. What turbo are you using to get that? It's the Borg Warner 9280, the EFR. And what sort of, I mean, that's a big turbo for a 2.2 litre engine. What sort of RPM are you starting to see uh, producing decent boost? They normally come on, this thing would be coming on really strong around the 4,500. That's an impressive response. Uh, in terms of the engine, you mentioned it is uh, MyVec or uh, variable cam control. Uh, so you, you're still retaining the cam control. A lot of people yes. go away from that with bigger cams because they can't swing the cam. Yeah, we run the custom grime cam and it's running the cam control as well. So is that pretty uh, critical to getting that, that lower RPM boost response? It is, you know, because you can set the cam where you want it to have plenty of torque. One of the problems with any high boost engine, uh, the 4G is, is no, not immune to it, is uh, head gasket integrity. Uh, can you let us in on, on what you're using to seal the head to the block? Yeah, we run like a firing setup with a copper gasket, so it's like an uh, alloy bronze ring. So that, that just seals, the, the ring sits on the top of the bore, uh, I believe you probably have a, a groove that it steps into at the top of the bore, and then it seals straight to the head? Yeah, and it's just as flat on the head. And then the copper gasket there is essentially just for sealing uh, water and oil? Yeah, that's correct.
And one of the problems with those copper gaskets, I mean, they're very popular uh, for uh, high-boost applications, but they don't do a real good job of actually sealing the oil and water, do they? What, what, have you, what do you do in order to stop it actually leaking? Uh, we use three-bond. Like use a good three-bond. And that's a fine line of using not enough or too much. Because you don't want that three-bond getting into places that it shouldn't be, but obviously you want it to do the sealing job. That's right, yeah. Do you want to take your car knowledge game to the next level? Join us in the next free lesson at hpacademy.com slash free and start developing your own skills today. All right, in terms of the, the rest of the package, can we talk a little bit about the electronics? So what, what have you got managing everything in the car? Yeah, the Mtron uh, KV16 manages all the engine stuff and then it runs like a Motec Dash, Motec PDM. The Motec Dash for uh, logging hub and driver display? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. Uh, Scott at Mtron has been uh, beavering away pretty uh, pretty seriously at World Time Attack developing the Mtron product and uh, he's doing a lot around torque management and basically allowing these cars to put a lot of power to the track and something we haven't touched on here which probably should have been obvious is uh, it's no longer four-wheel drive either like a conventional R32 GTR rear-wheel drive only. So can you talk to us a little bit about the, the strategies in terms of optimising the, the torque that the engine's producing and how much you can get to the track? Yeah, look, the, the, the torque modelling traction control obviously uh, retards timing and it's got ignition cuts and however he does it, that's, that, that's his deal. But um, on the car now, like it's still too early. We're still setting suspension. Like He has started loading stuff in, but we're just sort of going as we go. Now, another aspect you just mentioned there was suspension, and I, I don't believe this is a new addition, but if we look at the front suspension setup, it is drastically different to a conventional R32 GTR. Uh, one of the rules, again, with the class you're running in, you have to retain the factory strut tower, but we've got no strut there anymore, and it's got a sort of a rocker arrangement, inboard suspension, anti-roll bar that is in the scuttle panel at the base of the, the uh, windscreen. Uh, what's the impetus around that change? All that stuff is way over my head. I'm a drag racer. <laughs> but, yeah, like when the car was built, um, yeah, they've done that for geometry for some some kind of reason. Fair enough. You're a drag racer. You're there to make a lot of power with the engine, and we can respect that. We don't have to know every element of the car. Yeah, but it, it, honestly, I don't know why it's like that. I know it has something to do with the car being very low and where the shocks need to be. Fair enough. I mean, generally as well, a lot of the uh, elements with the suspension on these cars producing huge downforce as well as maintaining, uh, keeping the car actually off the track at 270 kilometres an hour coming into turn one. So uh, I can't speak for that on this particular car, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll move on anyway. Dom, it's been great to get some insight into uh, certainly one of the more unique builds I've seen over the years we've been coming to World Time Attack. Obviously, as you mentioned, early days for the car. Uh, I'm sure once you get it dialed in, it's going to be uh, incredibly competitive and we wish you all the best for the rest of the weekend. Hey, thank you. If you enjoy this podcast, please feel free to leave us a review on whatever platform you've chosen to listen to it on. It goes a long way to helping us get the word out there. All these conversations and much more are also available in full on our High Performance Academy YouTube channel, so make sure you subscribe.